Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, people. This is DJ. This is Ish. And this is season three of Better Let Me Tell You. No, I like the other one. Um, oh, you don't want it all to me. I don't remember any of the names of those songs, but yes. That's, um, why can't I remember? Right, because you know what? When I think of Nelly Furtado... Say I, it right. Say it right. That's right. When I think of Nelly Furtado, I always think of Frijoles Negro. Why? Because Frijoles Negro? She could, she's Canadian. She's Portuguese. She's Portuguese Canadian, and I think of her as Canadian BC, British Columbia. And in the video for "Turn Off the Light" or whatever, where she's like, eh, "Turn on," nah, nah, there's a scene where she's like stirring un tremendo caldero de frijoles negro, and the camera zooms well, in. Well, there on we it. go. And with that note, <laughs> we are going to start. Pero let me tell you, yes. welcome everyone. What episode is this? Welcome one? to our actual episode one thirteen. Oh yes, after the snafu after the, of last week. Yes, the snafu. But you know, we 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 don't want to miss a week of giving you guys content, so we did a little mini episode. Mm-hmm. You know, to fill to fill your your yeah. pedal, your, your the and it's a shame because, holding your heart because it was so um, good. The, the, our live show was really good with Daniel Leiva and with Luis Aguirre. It was so good. And, I mean, we had a lot of people that yeah. chimed in, which was great. And, and if it, you were one of them, thank you. And it was exactly what we wanted. People were, like, you know, giving their opinions and yeah. stuff like that. But then it's like, oh, shit. I know. Instagram failed us. <laughs> Damn you, Mark Zuckerberg. So, welcome, everybody. Welcome. So, well. Well, 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 well. Ah, it's been a quiet few days, not? <laughs> I, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm exhausted. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, sick, I said. Okay, kill, what was it? Australia was on fire, was on fire. in January. Right. Then we had, when well, no, the, the the killer hornets. No, then the coronavirus. Then the coronavirus. Then the murder hornets. Then the murder come. hornets. Now you know the protests. Right. And it's like, oh my God, it's June. I am sure that by November we're having aliens come down. 
Do you and think, then they're leaving. Do you think they want to be on the show? That. An alien on the show? Yeah. Well, I mean, we are the show about inclusivity, inclusivity, and, and you know, Hispanic and Latinos, and we all start off as aliens. So, yeah, I think we should. We're putting it out there: uh, aliens, all the grays, or whatever. Yes, but not if you are Independence Day type aliens. No, I know that's so many tentacles. Plus, I don't know where to put the headphones. No, we want the aliens from Spice World. Yeah, because they'd be fun. They like you like okay. how I, you like, like how I brought yes, that in because clearly they enjoy having a good time. Yeah, you, <laughs> I bet you nobody's I referenced forgot those. Got those existed? Not gonna lie. Not you gonna didn't lie. See that one I didn't coming. see that one coming at all. At all. Hey, you're you're very lucid for somebody who's on several drugs right now due to a toothache. Oh my god. And then there's a toothache. You're of very 2020. You're, you're very sharp for somebody who's taking. So, ladies all and gentlemen. I, I was going to say, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Oh, anyway. <laughs> oh, um, there, there's a drug kicking in. <laughs> so, um, I have a toothache. Un do, tengo tremendo dolor de muela. De muela, yes. And I have never really had a toothache before. I mean, I've had braces. I've had oral surgery. So, I'm no stranger to being right. at the dentist or the orthodonti uh, orthodontist. Um, but I had a feeling. My feelings are from when I was eight years old. And eight years old? Eight, yes. They're from and I've never, thank God, had another cavity. Wait. I don't know, but mine are from like when I was eight or nine years old. Because I remember when I got them and I was eight or nine years old. Wow. So one of them, after you know, 30 years, was like, I'm done. So <laughs> now I wrong? have like nerve damage and the toothache is killing me. But I'm on 800 milligrams of Motrin <laughs> while I speak to you all, or a gel and Tylenol. You know, we we move, we uh, take switch. You though. alternate. You alternate. You alternate. Yeah. That's Why couldn't a, I think of the word alternate? <laughs> because you know you're very sharp and lucid, but you're still on drugs. So I mean, it, so, it's it's a balancing so act. Things may get a little blurry. They get a little loopy. But yeah. um, yeah. but I've never. Have you ever had a toothache like that? Not the way you described. No, because you would remember. Right, like, right, right. It is agonizing. I like I was crying yesterday, like or whenever. I mean, I've known you forever, and I think maybe I can count on like one hand the times I've seen you cry. So yeah, I mean, I mean and I I tolerate pain yeah. really yeah, well, yeah. and. I, I don't bitch about it. I just, you know, take it. Right, right. But like this, I'd, like I was crying because it's like right there. And then and it, there's nothing you can do about and it. And then because... your ear starts to hurt and like your neck and your head. And I'm like, oh. No, 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 I'm like, this is what Tom Hanks felt in um, yeah, Castaway. Cast <laughs> and that didn't end well. No, no. Well, he got off the island. Yeah. Well. <laughs> But, you know, we've got a root canal, but we're not going to talk about that now. But uh, so everybody, welcome to the real episode 113. Yes. So yes. as everybody is listening to this, so and thank you for listening. Are you guys on your commute to work? Are we working? I'm still again? working from home. I'm um, officially starting to work from the more. office full time as of this week. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. because the thing with us is that Everybody else has reopened. So in then, the building. No, like insurance companies oh, duh. Yeah. in our my line of yes, work. Yes, courts yes. have opened, although they're still virtual hearings. Right. Courts have opened, other attorneys' offices opened, um, people have gone back to work. So then the amount of volume that we're getting, right. I mean, we have to. See, see, so. see, yeah. Your 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 world is, is, is has reopened. Opening, so yeah. we have to. So Anyway, well, there's a lot to talk about this week, obviously. You know, our motto is listen, laugh, and learn. And honestly, I know we like to bring the laughs with our podcast, but I, I really, will try my damnedest. I really haven't, 
I really haven't felt like laughing. Um, I just... I have in the sense that like I need it. I need it. And so I've been watching a lot of like old sitcoms. Yeah, no, I know. Because but, I but, need that, that release. Like even... Not that I post a ton of stuff on Instagram, but even posting something on Instagram, like I find like, you know, it's frivolous. It's like tone deaf, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. I started repo. I started posting shirtless selfies again this week. Oh well, but, <laughs> well, but it took. Listen, I was absent for like a week and a half. Well, that is an eternity. Okay, for you. it is an eternity, and I came back because I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, it is pride, and I am, you know, self confident. So I'm gonna post shirtless selfies. I love how your connection to pride and because, you know, you don't do you do this in every single other occasion and holiday and event of the year. But I love how you just stuck pride in because, you know, well, you know, when I go out dancing, I'm always shirtless. OK, once again. <laughs> so that is your excuse. That is my excuse. Oh, OK, I'm sticking to it. Mm. Maybe I need to follow that whole pride thing a little bit more. Maybe I'll start sh posting shirtly. You selfies. should. Listen, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> I need to follow that, you know. Free ideal. the nipple. Anyway, so, bueno, let's obviously talk about the, you know, big old elephant in the room. So, I mean, we, we've had a couple of episodes already talking about the yeah. state of affairs right now. Yeah. And, and we promise listeners we're not going to become a dour podcast, but you know, we are going to have to touch on things as, well, as I mean, they're happening. Yeah. You know? I mean, we, <laughs> no, this no, is but, what but, we do. Right. I, I, yeah. And, and it's, it, this is kind of predominates everything right now. So, so this week, you know, the majority of the protests were last week and that's what our episode, our live episode was about this week. There have been continued protests. There were uh, some here last, yeah, yesterday. No, they've continued. They're, 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 they're protesting everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they've all been, uh, predominantly peaceful, right, right. which is great. Um, but obviously this week and as more days pass, we start with the reckoning with what, okay, we're protesting. We're angry. Right. We What's want to change. Right. What's next? What are we doing? Uh, so there's some, so there's obviously some stuff that has come up. And one of the things that I, I really want to discuss with you about mm -hmm. is, and this is not the first time this has come about, but among the many things that this week kind of resurfaced or a lot of people are talking about are, um, Confederate monuments. Yes. And Confederate, you know, statutes and all that. I was hoping you'd bring it up. So... NASCAR has officially said that they're banning it. What do we think about that? Well, I think it's about NASCAR or about in general? Well, in general. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I have opinions on both of them. Um, so I guess I'll start with NASCAR first and foremost. I mean, I uh, in my day job, I actually, at one point, NASCAR proper wasn't my client, but um, the racing industry was. Mm -hmm. And I will say that that was a very big concern when we were trying to put together a plan and really from the client themselves really were, again, based out of South Florida, trying to appeal to that Hispanic black mm -hmm. consumer mm -hmm. because they they were what they were seeing. When you mean Hispanic black, do you mean like Afro Latino no. or no, Hispanic no, no, sorry. and black? Hispanic comma black. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, consumer, because what they are seeing is that the older white fans quote unquote they are dying out you know what i mean they're getting older they're dying out and they're just not really they're, nobody's really replenishing it at the speed that they need 
to mm-hmm. no pun intended to to continue having those ticket sales. So obviously, if you're in a, South Florida, you want to start appealing to those minority markets. You do have some Hispanic racers. You have a a black racer that I know of only one, but he's the one that's most prominent right now. Um, Bubba Wallace, I believe, is his name. And you know, one of the things that when they would do their their focus groups and things like that with minority groups to say, well, you know, why don't you come out and this and that <clears throat> across the board, the perception was always, it's about, it's a white people thing. It's a Southern thing. It's Confederate flags. Right. It's NASCAR. racist. It's that was now those same people would then turn around when they got to the event and say, wow, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It was actually the perception. It was actually more inclusive than I thought it would be. <laughs> and again, I'm speaking about the, event in south florida right so right so so, so there's that right because just i mean right because by, by all, all population wise all right. 100 white people that live in south no, florida no oh yeah people come from all over because the the races that were here was up until last year right, these are imagining the homestead speedway yeah, yeah yeah up until last year the the race that was here was actually the last race of the year so it was a championship okay. so people would come from all over the country oh, okay but gotcha because I was gonna be what the 100 people that li- white people that live exactly. in, in Miami Dade County exactly. go to the <laughs> they're all there all 100 all of them are there <laughs> but you know so but but that's you know I think that that illustrates that when you have focus groups and they're asking you about NASCAR and the response is that's for racist redneck people with Confederate flags. If you want to continue to grow your business, you have to do something to stem that perception. Now, you can't tell people not to come to your event, right? Because at the end of the day, you're looking to make money. But you can start to distance yourself from certain symbols, which is what they've started to do as of this week. You can't bring it into the into the you know right. the, the track and things like that. Already one racer has uh, quit. I forget his name right now. Okay, uh, cool. As a protest. He has a right to quit. In all fairness, he has had zero wins in his career. So it's not like it's not like it's a it's not Listen, like it's a big name. I've said this before on the podcast. You have a right to be a racist bigot. Yeah, knock yourself out. Knock, knock yourself, yourself out. <laughs> um so I, I applaud NASCAR and I maybe because of the exposure that I had behind the scenes, the peak I had behind the scenes, I knew that eventually this was going to have to happen mm-hmm. because you cannot continue to grow your business in a country that, you know, and I don't remember the numbers anymore at this point, but where Hispanics are going to be the majority minority and right. blacks, you know, continue. To, I mean, minorities are going to continue to grow. To grow. Yeah. So if you don't do something to at least demonstrate your that business, your, your business your demographic is, is listening to this. Good luck. You're, right. you're going to be out of business. Yeah. Your demographic. Not only is your demographic shrinking, but that demographic is also evolving. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 So you may still have, you know, the the, the quote unquote good old boys who, who right. love to go to NASCAR, but they're not the same kind of good old boys as before. Right. You know? So <clears throat> um so that's my feeling in terms of the NASCAR thing. Um with regard to the overall removal of the Confederate flag <laughs> and mm-hmm. and things like that, I'm would it be great if I told you that I'm totally against it? Um, well, this is going to be a five-hour show. <laughs> People, brace for impact. You're going to need to drive to Canada if you want to hear the whole argument. Because <laughs> my rebuttal is going to be like... <laughs> it's going to have footnotes. Um, no, I mean, I, I'm completely for it. But I think, you know, and you and I have had this conversation before, which is most people's 
argument is, oh, you're trying to erase history, right? That's that's like the first thing, right? Everybody always like, well, you're trying to erase history. And it's like, no, we're not. Because you've even said it. You're like, I don't think that these statues and these monuments should be destroyed necessarily. They should be put in a museum. Or, in the case of a monument that's too big for a museum, create like a park, you know, that's about... Make a museum, whether, whether you add it to the Museum of Black History in Washington or you make a museum to slavery. I think slavery or, or, or a civil war museum I, I, or, or civil war museum. I think slavery should have a museum the same way the Holocaust does because people Absolutely. need to go to that museum and see the horrors of slavery. And and not only the horrors of slavery but how slavery affect we are where we are right now because of effects from slavery. So, you know, all right. all the racial issues that this country has had and continues to have stems from slavery right. so yeah put it you know because some of these monuments like the monument of uh robert e lee in virginia is a beautiful monument in terms of it's art, like the and it's art history behind it. and it's history okay, go ahead and put it in a museum right so i want to that i had a conversation with my mom about that today okay and i, I love gave, when you have conversations with your mother though because i feel like they can go one way or the other yes <laughs> because sometimes your mother like kind of admits that she's not fully she doesn't have the, the the background and the education mm -hmm. about a certain topic, and she kind of wants to hear about it. And other times, it's great because she just goes off on a rant. Yes. <laughs> so my mom, my mom is seventy, and you know, my mom is from another country. My mom doesn't really speak English that well. A different culture, a different time. You know, I don't expect my mom to know American history. Right. My mom's extent of American history are the questions she had to learn to take the citizenship <laughs> test. And as we know, those questions are like, what are the colors of the flag? Right. Who was the first president? Who was the first president? Right. You know, Who like, freed the slaves? Yeah. You know, yeah. That, yeah. Type, that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I don't expect my mom or any, especially an older immigrant, somebody who immigrated to the United States. As a proper as adult. A older. Yeah. I, I kind of give them a little bit of a... Of a not a free pass because I think that you should. But always you understand. Learn. But I understand, you know, especially when you're an immigrant and you come later and you're raising your kids and you have like you two gotta jobs, feed a family, you, know, you got to feed a family. Yeah. You know, you're not thinking. Let me let me let me sit like, down with this history book. on American yeah, history, right. right? So I sat down with her because she she point blank asked me. She's like, "De qué habla Nancy Pelosi de quitar estatua?" You know, like <laughs> what is she talking about, Nancy Pelosi, about taking off? You right. know, statutes like you know why why what's right. the why? big deal like right. why now right and i go tell her okay sit down i told her listen so you have to know american history you have to know about slavery and you have to know about the civil war this is what the civil war was this is why we had the civil war when the civil when we when the south lost the civil war as a morale boost to the you know the people in the south as a morale mm -hmm. boost to themselves right they erected all this mon all these monuments of Robert E. Lee, right. of all these... Um, Almost as martyrs. Uh, I, I, they are as martyrs, yeah. right? About all these Confederate generals. Um, and and that's... Uh, they, they also named a lot of streets mm -hmm. and, and um, military bases right. and all this stuff as like a morale boost to themselves. Right. And I, you know, I gave her the, the rundown as mm -hmm. like, this is what it was. It was about slavery. This is why they did it. So she's like, so those men that they have the statutes on she was asking mm -hmm. were people who were for slavery and i'm like yes they fought for the confederacy right. they were treasonous they were 
they fought for the Confederacy. And she's like, and the Confederate flag, you know, the flag, because my, you know, my mom knows, you know, my mom's reference to the Confederate flag? Dukes of Hazard? The Dukes of Hazard. Well, yeah. Because when my brother was a little kid in the 80s, like everybody, he loved the Dukes yeah. of Hazard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is my mom's only reference. <laughs> she's like, pero si esos muchachitos estaban de lo más nice. <laughs> like, like she had no point like, of like, who doesn't like John Schneider? Like, oh, yeah, exactly. She's like, no point of references. This is why. Right. I know it sounds cheesy and it sounds like an after school commercial, but knowledge is key and knowledge yeah. is power. Because if you don't know history, you don't know where you've been, you don't know why you are where you are, and you don't know where you're going. Yeah. Right? And I explained to her, this is what the flag means. And she's like, espera un momentito. Esta bandera es de un grupo, parte de, pa de países fue de los Estados Unidos. And I'm like, yes. Right. Y todas esas estatuas. Mm -hmm. Son estatuas de personas que querían la esclavitud. And I'm like, yes. And she's yes. like, pues que las quiten todas. Pues que las quiten todas. Porque ¿quién quiere ver eso? Eso es como que en Cuba, cuando Cuba se libera, pongan una estatua de Fidel Castro. And I was like, hot dog! We you had a what? breakthrough! But that's, but you that's, know when you go to therapy? Yeah, you're like, this is the breakthrough moment. This, this is, is the breakthrough, breakthrough moment. My mom had a breakthrough. But it's funny you say that because I was thinking, you know, I, I did myself a very big disservice today, which was... A former guest of the show, Enrique Santos, posted about the Confederate flag thing. And, you know, as we said when we interviewed him, his fan base runs the gamut. Right. right? So he posted about it, and I'm like, you know what? I've got 10 minutes before I have a conference call. Let me just go through the comments here. And, it, you know, it ran the gamut of everything. But my, my feedback to those people who, you know, who say things like, you know, well, but you can't get rid of history, and it's about culture, and it's about this and that. I actually started looking to see how much it would cost because I would love to, okay, you feel that way? It's a part of history, right? And there are people who agree with it, even if you don't, right? Mm -hmm. So it shouldn't be taken down, right? I would love to, in the middle of Hialeah, put tremenda bandera del Che Guevara. Oh, my God. A ver qué pasa. Oh, my God. Because then yeah. when they start to get upset mm -hmm. because of what that represents, then you can turn around and say... And that is why black people have a problem with the Confederate flag. Yeah. Many I times. Have, I mean, I have a problem with the Confederate flag. And I'm not black. I have I a just, problem with it, but I don't have a. I, I don't but, have. But I, I, I. And I can't. I can't. I'm not black. I, I won't have that. Well, same. I mean, obviously, if, if you're if you're African American, it, it it has a different effect on you than if you're not. Right. But I just think that anybody who's human <laughs> should be offended by what it represents. Right. And, you know, the, the reason why I bring they up don't my allow mother, imagery of it, Hitler it, in it, Germany. It, it, the reason why I bring up my mother is because if I was able to in five minutes and again, she's an immigrant. She doesn't know American history. I mean, they, I mean, you really don't because this is unique to American history. Right, you know, right. you, you can't yeah. expect somebody from another oh, country. Drop me off in the middle of France. Uh, I won't know. You know, you, you the, can't the, the nuances. You can't expect them to know the you know, the nitty gritty of, of American history, because a lot of these things people don't even think about like these, like, like here in Miami, mm -hmm. they're they well, technically Dixie highway. Dixie highway. I bet you it never dawned on me. 95% of people never thought that the, the U S one was named highway Dixie highway because of the Mason Dixie line. Right. No. Right. I bet you nobody thought about that because it's a, something that's just so mundane. And it's just always been there. And it's always been there that you didn't necessarily right. like jump on it. Right. But when you know the historical content and it, it's explained to you, then you say, okay, I get it. I get it. So that's why I use the example of my mom because when I sat down, you know, and 
you know, I love my mother. She's my mother. But my mom is not the most... My mom doesn't go around with thought-provoking, you know, like... Right, right, that's right. Not, like, that's not her realm history and all right. that, you know. Um, but when you sit down, even to somebody who doesn't know history and really is not into history, when you sit down and you explain it as a human, you're like, wait, 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 what? Those were people that were pro-slavery? You know, take it down, right? right. So that's something why... I just have a hard time understanding why people can't understand that. That's like, for example, because and this is something that we as, a, as an American society, well, part of American society has normalized and thinks it's actually cute. Have you ever really stopped and thought how offensive Civil War reenactments are? No, because the Salto was loses. <laughs> but it's offensive. I don't. I don't know. I, I, but but I, it's be, like it's between battles. Okay, but, and a lot but, of times, genuinely, I'm genuinely right, asking right. why. Why do you find it offensive? I because I because I, you're, I've re never... you're recreating you, the people who do that are in the South, right? And generally, they recreate battles in which the South won. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. 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 Right? Because you know it's a war. It was there was a bunch of battles within the Civil War, and the South won many of those okay. battles. Okay. Okay. In that right? in that respect, yes. Okay. Yes. Right. So it's like, oh, are we gonna do like you know reenactments of the Holocaust? Like, oh, no. I mean, I mean, this is ridiculous. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous, and somehow people find that amusing. Like, right. it's like amusing in some way, and and for people who defend the Confederacy. And defend that no, it's they my defend heritage. It as, a, as a as a culture almost. It's my heritage, but you can't. And I and I see the 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 point where there's people who are proud of the Confederacy as heritage and culture that has nothing to do with slavery. But the thing is that it does. You can't remove the slavery aspect of the Confederacy. You just can't. It's, it's not about being southern, right? You know, Caballero. you know, mint juleps are about being southern. Blanche Devereaux is about being Southern. <laughs> Julia Sugarbaker is about, about being Southern. southern. <laughs> Not. I'm just gonna say, and maybe this will put la tapa pomo of you know the topic, or whatever. I'm just gonna say there's a reason that that is the you know preferred flag adornment of you know the KKK. Yeah, and actually, do you? I mean, know, they're, they're not going out there and trying to use the pride flag. Tidbit. Do you know that obviously in Germany, mm -hmm. uh, there's a law that it's illegal to display the swastika. Any, anything Nazi related. It's yes. illegal. Mm -hmm. Do you know that when um, uh, skinheads and, um, and well, neo-Nazis neo mm -hmm. uh, march, they use a Confederate flag? Really? Yes, they do. So therefore. Right. But that's why I'm saying. The argument a lot of people make that... And I guarantee you that in Germany, they're not making mint juleps. It's, it's my heritage because I'm Southern. Right. Pick another symbol of Southern heritage. And Use southern the Georgia State flag. Which has a Confederate flag in it. Oh. Okay. Well, then maybe not. <laughs> but whatever. Use there's, a picture of Delta Burr. Listen, there's a million things that you can pick to be the symbol of Southern culture. Right? right. And nobody's taking away that there is a Southern culture. Right. Right? You know what? Let's just make a flag with Dolly Parton on it. I'm fine. I'm totally fine with that. Which she actually, she had to change the whole setup of her Dixieland stampede a couple years ago. Yeah, because of that? Because initially it was, you know, it was the Confederate versus the Union. Oh. And all of the games that were played, you know, you were the, the audience was separated into basically the North and the South. So they've changed it now. So it's red team, blue team, you know, and, and all that. I think that, you know, it, it's not that we are more sensitive I think that it's a reckoning. We have to 
We have There's to, also something to be said for hindsight. You know what I mean? Like the further you get away from something, the more but, you but see it clearly. Hindsight, we have to fix the wrongs, right? But that's but that's what I mean by the further away you get from something, the more clearly you see things. Right. Well, yes, that is true. I don't necessarily think that's the case here because I just think that it's clear that slavery was wrong. I just think that you know. The people that defended slavery, especially, was for economic reasons, which I think it makes it even worse. Um, but again, pick another symbol of your heritage right. because you can't disconnect that symbol to slavery because that is the symbolism of slavery. And you know another thing which is very basic, but so a lot of these like people that are like America, you know, and you know are racist and are like I'm white you know and like I'm all about America and guns and you know God and I country. want you to do an entire episode with that voice no <laughs> and all about you know all that you know, America it's like anything that you anything that deviates from their train of thought their perception their of, perception of, of America anything that deviates from their perception of America is anti-American and it's like okay do you realize right. that the confederate flag is the biggest symbol of treason to yeah. the real America. Because do you forget that the reason why the Confederate flag exists was because the South seceded, seceded from the Union. Seceded from the they seceded from the Union. They did not want to be part of the United States. They formed their States. own country. They formed their own country, you know, with their own president, you know, and their own, like... Their own everything. Everything. Yeah. Do you, that was That is full-blown treason. That is, like... You think that it was treason when we left the monarchy? This was full blown treason. But yet it is the symbol. Like these people use it as like the symbol of America. Like that is that is real America. It's like what compared to what? It's like that makes absolutely no sense. Also, the beauty of it is that you know America is again America is all about like you know we're the best. We win. We're the best. We win. And yet you're walking around with the losing side. Yeah, that would be like me having a shirt with Justin it, Guarini. It, yeah. <laughs> Hey, Justin Guarini was good. I know, but come on. Like, I love Kelly Clarkson. I love her. I love her. I love her. But Justin, I actually thought Justin Guarini was going to win. I have his album still. So do I. It was actually so really good. good. Some of those songs are so good. Was one hard too many. Oh. Do you not still remember that song he has with Kelly Clarkson? The duet. It that, was such a waste that they used that the song. telepathic duet in from Justin to Kelly. <laughs> yeah, no, that they used it for that movie. <laughs> for that movie, it was such a good song. Like that's like wedding song material. Like timeless. It's called timeless. And only us can be talking yes. about the horrors of slavery and the Confederacy and, and <laughs> stem into American Idol with Kelly Clarkson. You know that Kelly Clarkson. Um, in her show, do you ever watch her show? I don't because it's in the middle of the day. So in her show, every day mm -hmm. she does Just a, a song, cover. Yeah, yeah, she does a cover. And even now in her Montana sessions, uh -huh. she's been doing covers. Okay, I think she should have an album of all these covers because they're so damn good. They're not. They're, maybe they're on Spotify. The other day she did like a prayer. Y se la comió. <laughs> like it was so good. And I'm like, she's doing this like virtually because her band like. Oh, wow. Yeah. Se la comió. She's so freaking good. I love Kelly Clarkson. But yeah, you know, Confederates, you suck. I mean, I don't And know. if there's any people that are, like the Confederate? The, that are pro-Confederate and you want to stop imagine. listening to us, go ahead. I mean, I can't, Im I can't imagine their make up a big constituency of our listeners. But Yeah. So what do we think about... I will say this, though. I, I, I will say, uh, you know, I, I'm all for calling out racism and I'm all for, for you know... Getting rid of the the 
getting rid of the monuments entre comillas right you know whatever that winds up being but i will also say that i i think we have to also monitor ourselves for the slippery slope of it all because it's very easy to go from the civil war you know generals mm-hmm. to well washington owned slaves well, do, do you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I just, well, I just, I just I mean, think we, we that, have to. That's an argument for another day. <laughs> but that's see. Here's the thing, and I'm gonna go on a little bit of a tangent here. This is the learn section of listen, laugh, and learn. Which oh my god, I learned something about Washington and Jefferson the other day that blew my mind. Even though it makes total sense. Okay, which is? Have you noticed? That the majority of the people who have the black, the, the last name Washington and Jefferson, are black and not white, and it's because they gave their name to all of their slaves. Mm. So as a result of that, that's why there are so many black people with the last name Washington and Jefferson. I did not know that. I mean, it kind of makes like if if you know history, you know, especially with Thomas Jefferson, like you, it's like oh shit, yeah, that makes sense. But think about it. Very rarely do you come across a white person whose so last name Weezy? is Washington. No. George, George, George was a descendant of Thomas Jefferson, who uh, probably raped his slave. But anyway, um, this is why you got to know history. I've said this a million times, and I've I've said it a few times Mm -hmm. um, here on the podcast. The United States is a great country. It's the land of opportunity. It's the land that our family and our parents came to um, for. A better life it's the country everybody comes with to wants to come to and i'm very proud of being american but but we need the united states and our society we need to come to terms and to a reckoning that as wonderful as our country is and the story we're told about our country the United States was born with two fatal, fatal defects. And that was the decimation of Native Americans and slavery. And this is why this is a very complicated issue. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, yes, the argument is that they were men of their time. Slavery was socially accepted at that time, mm. but it doesn't take away from the horrors of it. Oh, absolutely. You know, it doesn't, it's not like, oh, well, you know, slavery was accepted at that time. So it's okay. You were a slave owner, right. you know, and you raped your slaves and you know, all that, you know, we'll give you a free pass on that one. Right. So it's like a reckoning that you have to have, which makes these things very delicate and very you know, very difficult to talk to, but that's why we're talking. But that's why I say we have to sort of monitor it because, you know, like for example, what is more patriotic than the star spangled banner? Our national National anthem. Anthem. Mm -hmm. Do you know about the star spangled banner? I know Fergie butchered it. Okay. So (laughs) whatever possessed her to make that into a sultry sass, (laughs) like a a scat number, like jazz number. (laughs) It's like, it's like, you know, I'm, it's hard enough to sing. It's like, <laughs> let's go ahead and cover the national, you know, let's sing the national anthem. Let's change the arrangement and turn it into a jazz, a cabaret jazzy, you know, like torch singer song. It's like, man, somebody was ill-advised. Yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, um, the Star Spangled Banner, which as we know is written by Francis Scott Key, mm-hmm. is a poem. And the part that we sing is the first stanza of the poem. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it is. The second and third parts are about catching runaway slaves. Oh. Yeah. I knew nothing of this. Oh, yes. That's why there are a lot of people, um, predominantly, you know, African-American, who don't want to stand up for the national anthem. And I completely get it. I completely understand how... how I know that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to yeah. look it up later. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the history behind it See, is, listeners, I learned too. So Francis Scott Key, who wrote the national anthem. So what happened was, and I'm, I'll be very brief, um, you know, after the American Revolution, the revolution didn't stop there. You know, you had a lot of uh, battles where England was trying to take back right. what was now the United States. And the biggest of those battles what is what we know as a world, the, um, the War of 1812, mm. where the British invaded the Redcoats, invaded... Right. It's um, a whole power of your... Invaded um, D.C. and mm-hmm. burned the White House down and all that, you know, nonsense. And a lot of Redcoats, which were the British soldiers, told slaves, hey, come fight for us. We're going to treat you better. And when, you know, we take back... <laughs> right, When we right. take back we... the country, we're going to free you, right. you know? So a lot of slaves joined the British side. So Francis Scott Key, who hated slaves and hated... On top of that, he hated slaves. Um, well, he hated the British. He hated, you know, he hated the British. I mean, this was like the perfect trifecta. <laughs> he hated, you know, black slaves. He hated the British. And now they were, it was, they were treasonous. <laughs> right. So it was like the perfect trifecta. He was like, fuck this. You know, he wrote, he wrote the Star Spangled Banner. And the second and third um, stanzas are about runaway, like catching, like, hey, runaway slave, you're not going to, you're not going to like get very far. Um, so Ooh. yeah. So it's things like that that we as a country have to know and we have to reckon. So when you hear people say the Star Spangled Banner is racist and it gives me, you know, it, it, certain feelings, I, certain feelings, and it's offensive to me for these reasons, you have to be like, okay, I, I, I get it, I understand why. Mm-hmm. You know, there could be yeah. an argument. I may not feel that way, but there you, could be but an I argument you do. whether you should change it or not. You know, that's a, a separate, for another day. Uh, you know, for another day. But you have to understand that. You have to understand that these founding fathers, which I don't like to call them the founding fathers. I like to call them the framers of the Constitution um, because there was already systems of government here. But That's true, Jamestown. Um, but anyway, uh, these people... They all owned slaves and they were terrible to their slaves. And yes, they were men of their time. And yes, it was accepted back then. But it doesn't make it any less terrible. Well, it doesn't make it right. No, no, it doesn't I, make I it, get it. it doesn't I make get it, that. Oh, it doesn't make it acceptable. I, I think, right? But again, these are the things why you have to know history. In this case, particularly American history. Mm-hmm. Because people will get on their soapbox and be like, ah! you know whatever and then you don't know the context of things and you don't know why things are the way they are you know why are there like a dozen military bases that are named after you know confederate confederate soldiers soldiers. how did that happen also not a good reference again they lost yeah how did that happen you know so i don't know i think these are things that we need to fix and you know obviously is that going to solve all of our problems no but But you got to take steps forward but you got to start somewhere you know you got to start somewhere and and it's sometimes it's the little things you know in the grand in the grand scheme of it all the little things right that speak volumes because they do demonstrate that you're willing to listen 
Of course. That you're willing to listen and you're willing to admit to certain things and you're willing to, lack of a better word, compromise. Mm -hmm. So going on that, so I'm sure you probably heard that um, Gone with the Wind has been for now pulled. I have such an issue with that. Well, you have an issue because it was pulled. Yes. Okay, but it's being brought back, but with a historical, with historical context. context. What does that mean, like pop-up video? Well, no, probably at the beginning of the movie, there's going to be some type of you okay. Know, the same way that Whoopi Goldberg gave, um, like little, uh, like intros for lack of a better word, because um, you know there's a lot of Warner Brothers cartoons that mm. I mean, again, products of their time, right, have right. racist overtones, and so there was a whole collection that came out a couple of years ago that Whoopi Goldberg did the intro to explaining. Mm-hmm. The context, you know, this was created at this time. Right. This was what it was, and you know, and so you're, yes, you're watching it, but so you understand the framework. M- most people that I've read upon this, a lot of one of them being Whoopi Goldberg, mm-hmm. uh, because she was very opinionated about a, about it on the View the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, most people don't believe the movie should be discarded um, and thrown in a vault. They believe that it's a very important movie. And, you know, especially Gone with the Wind from a technological sense. Right, right. It was a very advanced movie for its time. Also, Um, first Black Academy Award winner. Yeah. But, you know, but again, history. Uh, Hattie McDaniels. Mm -hmm. She won the, she was the first African-American to win an Academy Award. And she wasn't even allowed to to sit to, I, I don't know if she was like outside of the, you know, or she, basically she couldn't sit with her. Co-stars. She couldn't sit with the other nominated, with the other nominees. So right. you know, it's right. like context. She, you know, shit. Yeah, she was the first winner, but look at what they put her through. Yeah, you know, to yeah. get the Academy Award. But no, they're gonna re-release it, and um, and it's gonna have. I don't know if it's gonna be somebody speaking something mm-hmm. or if it's just going to have like maybe some type of writing like you know mm-hmm. Gone with the Wind was produced in 1939 blah 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 right, whatever right. I actually agree with that I eh, I mean I don't disagree with adding it but I, I disagree with pulling it I eh. well I think they pulled it because they're going to they're yeah, working you, on that but you can do that as a rolling thing it's not like HBO Max has that much content to begin with <laughs> Um, um, because to me, I, I, I see it more along the lines of, I'm not, I, I'm probably wrong, but of like censorship where it's just like, if you know what, if, if you do not, it is there. If you do not want to see it, you right. do not need to see it. Well, it is censorship. It technically is. And, censorship. and I, and I, I feel, I hate when people take it upon themselves to say, I'm going to pull this so you don't see it. It, as opposed to letting me right. as an adult it, make my decision. It is. It is. I, no, I agree with what you're saying. And it is. If they would have pulled it out permanently, mm-hmm. and just like the movie, if they would have pulled a um, Song of the South, you know about Song of right. the South, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Which we'll talk about in a minute from Disney. I would have had maybe had a different opinion on it, but they're they're it's going to be back on, but just with a historical context. Mm-hmm. Um, which I agree. I agree 100 percent with with them doing that. Did you hear about Lady Antebellum? The band? They're changing their name? They changed their name to Lady A. Because the Antebellum South. Right. Because also, again, these these are very tricky See, things. things that I didn't even antebellum, think about. Antebellum, a lot of times, is a term used in architecture. Yeah, it is. This is an antebellum home. Right. And because of the time period. Right. The houses look a certain way. And that was why they named their band Lady and, Antebellum. Right, right, right. Because I think that when they first started or they were rehearsing, they were in an antebellum home. 
Right. Right. So, and they don't strike me as particularly racist. Yeah. So <laughs> they they said you know out of respect to the historical content of that mm -hmm. because really antebellum is kind of glamorizing the south mm -hmm. the, it's it's a style of the plantation right well er, er, yes but it's used to it's used to it's really used the origin of the word was to you was to describe the antebellum south as in the civil war like around around pre-civil war pre-civil war correct um when slavery was the anta before right and, right so that's why it's a little bit problematic. Well, it's very problematic. It's just that in more modern times, it's been used as a form of description of architecture right, or right. buildings. Like, you know, the, like here in Miami, there there's a, a strip of buildings in downtown in front of the federal courthouse mm -hmm. that I believe are the only antebellum buildings left in Miami, which, I mean, imagine. Wow. So th they're very old. Yeah. So I think that that's probably why, and they didn't really put too much right. thought again, into it. Again, Dixie Highway. You know, like, we don't, we don't think about sounds, it. The word sounds, you know, antebellum. The it, word sounds, you know, yeah. interesting. It's pretty. Let's go it's for pretty it, word, but yeah. this is what the word means. Right, right. So, and, and they did it on their own free will. They So I give them a lot of credit for that. They did it on their own free will. Mm -hmm. They did what, thought, what I thought was right, what they thought was right, and, you know, kudos to them kudos to them yeah. so i mean these these are just these are just well this is an evolution of society that should have happened well first of all it should have never happened because slavery <laughs> should have never happened but but okay it did but now that it did happen right. this is something that should have happened ages ago right but i guess good that it's happening at least that's happening now yeah. um, better late than never i guess Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, if I gotta is find, that the, is that the parting gift? That's, that's my silver lining here. That's my year supply of turtle wax. Better late than gift? never. But mm -hmm. the, also, the good thing about it is, which I feel that every time that one of these like racial matters happen, one of the silver linings is that those damn racists, you can see them louder than ever. Oh Lord! <laughs> you know, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Not that I expect you to know, because you're not a racist. Why are racists so damn nosy? Did you see that lady who called out the Asian girl? Yes, you tagged me the on park? it. You tagged okay. me. The lady was the, the, the poor Asian lady was stretching. stretching. She was stretching on the thing. My favorite, my favorite part of the whole thing, because she's okay. For those who haven't seen it, um, this Asian lady was stretching on. You know, she was jogging in a park. A park, okay. She was stretching on like these stairs, and apparently you can't see it because the video itself is from the is. It's like the the Asian woman is, I guess, doing like a selfie. I don't know what she's doing, but you can't see the stairs. But apparently, there's like multiple stairs that are leading down from, I guess, above down to the footpath. And on one of them, she is stretching. And this old lady, just out of nowhere, just starts and it's like, why are you here? Why are why do you think you own the stairs? Why do you? And she's like, but ma'am, there's like all these other stairway entries you can use. Oh, why don't you just go to the gym? That was my favorite part. That was my favorite part where she tells her, why don't you just go to the gym? It's like, why do you care where she does her They're workout? So also, also, gyms are closed right now because of the coronavirus. Yes, so you know yes. what? She can't go to the gym even if she wanted to. California, I don't think California has. No, they're not. Yet. It's like, listen, she probably does CrossFit. Okay, she's you know, and she's. But why are they so nosy? Like racists are Karens are so nosy. Oh, they're the worst. Karens can keep it's like you know like go Did you, go you saw with the your other white one. supremacist self to your house and talk all the gibberish and crap that you want. But you saw the other one, right? Media. The, what, the, the one in the gas station. 
which is the one on the gas station. De la mujer que le metió el gasnatón a la racist. Oh, yes. That, that she starts like, where are you from? Go back to your country. And she's like, I'm Native American. Where are you from? Yes. And, I, and it was like, oh, well, you know. Awkward. No, and that and lady, then, I think that lady even had a Karen haircut. Of course she did. They all do. <laughs> like, I felt it when she got slapped. It was wonderful. Wonderful. They're so freaking nosy racist. I'm telling you. Siempre se están metiendo en lo que no le importa. Y siempre tienen que meter la cuchareta. Más tarde o más temprano. It's like, mind your own business, racist. <laughs> They're probably all very big fans of that ABC show, What Would You Do? <laughs> I've told you till this day. Every time I see that show, the commercials, what would you do if you're in a crying alone in the bedroom floor because he's hungry and the only way to feed him is a... <laughs> and the man's gone. <laughs> oh, Lord, 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 Till this Lord. day, where they're like, what would you do? <laughs> You know what's funny? When I think about that show, and I watch that show every now and then, I always think, and you know me, that I'm all about like the higher road and like doing what's right, right. and like right. yes, I would totally you like to think you like yes. yes. And I'm like, would I really get in their business? Like, I think that I would. I think that I, I probably wouldn't, <laughs> unless it's like a situation like si le están entrando pescozones. You know what yeah. I mean? Like then I might have to <laughs> evaluate the situation. There was one not I don't know I saw some time ago about like this lady that was like on purpose being really mean to a child and being like you're a loser and I'm like meha that's being grown up by Cuban parents that's like que tu vas a ir estudiar qué that's a Tuesday yeah. at any Cuban kid's house oh lord speaking of speaking of growing up Cuban. Um, this week's guest yes. is comedian Chris Garcia, and some of you may know him for his comedy. He's been on Two Dope Queens, um, among other things, but he also created a six-episode podcast called Scattered, and the entire six episodes, each one's about 30 minutes, is telling the story of his father's um, affliction with dementia and eventual death. And how him and his, and it's not a spoiler because it's called Scattered. Him and his family, his mother and his sister, go to Cuba to scatter his father's ashes. And in between, it tells us, you know, the history of pre revolution Cuba, his father's, um, you know, stories about his father and his experiences in Cuba that just were never really told because of the trauma. And it's a beautiful story, and I cannot recommend it enough. Now, you'll notice that uh, Darian is not in the interview. That's because ese día, ese día you, you were at the dentist. Literally, the dentist. you were literally at the dentist while I was doing that that so, interview. So yes, ladies and gentlemen, while you're hearing the interview, <laughs> I was saying, sitting at the. I was texting him <laughs> yes. like pictures of me at the dentist. <laughs> so I'm like, you're interviewing. You know, you're doing an interview, having fun, and I'm here. Con el dolor de muela. <laughs> <laughs> so after a word from our sponsor, Chris Garcia. Hey everyone, this is DJ from Pero Let Me Tell You, and I'm here to tell you guys about Manscaped's latest product. You've probably heard us talk about the Lawnmower 3.0. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to go back to the garden because Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker. You know, if you're like me, you hate, hate, hate those nasty ear and nose hairs that just pop up, are gross, and they're just so annoying. And that is where Manscaped's Weed Whacker comes in. A nose and ear hair trimmer that uses proprietary skin safe technology and a 360 degree rotary dual blade system to help prevent, you know, any of those nicks or snags. You don't want none of that on your ears and nose. And it's a great product because it'll take care of it and you'll be all nice and trim. 
And the timing is perfect because it's a perfect Father's Day gift. And now that summer is here and we could finally get out of the house, you want to be nice and clean shaven and all trimmed up. So how do you get this product? Just go to manscaped.com. And when you're there, use promo code PERO20 to receive 20% off your order. That's right, 20% off your order. And Manscaped is even going to include free shipping and handling. So come on, this is such a bargain. It's a great value and it's a great product. So that's right, 20% off using promo code BETO20 for Manscaped's Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Trimmer. So what are you waiting for? Go to manscaped.com and order yours today. And we're back. Bueno, mi gente, as we said, this week we have a very special guest. He is a comedian, a Cuban-American comedian at that, so, you know, might be a little relatable to us. Uh, <laughs> his name is Chris Garcia, but more than just a comedian, he also creates... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Podcast that tells the story of really his father's life and his parents' journey from Cuba to the U.S. And I mean, the name of the podcast is Scattered, so I don't think it's a spoiler to say that it goes all the way through his father's passing and going back to Cuba to scatter his father's ashes on the island. So I'm just giving you guys a heads up. I listened to this podcast twice, cried both times. I call it the Selena Factor which is where I, I know how it's going to end. Doesn't matter. Still gets me. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Yeah. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Yeah. So, I mean, as I said, you know, you're, you're a comedian, I guess by, by trade, um, if not quite by degree, cause by that you're a poet. Um, <laughs> but to tell this story, you know, most people would think, well, it's a story about his father, you know, his father's passing, your father suffered from dementia and, and Alzheimer's. It doesn't seem like there's a, a connection there, right? It's like, you know, it's the funny guy. And yet he's telling the story that some would interpret as being inherently sad. You know, how did all of this come about? Like, you know, the decision to say, this is this is something I'm going to do. You know, um, it came about all very naturally. I was booked to do this uh, live show of this podcast called Two Dope Queens here in Los Angeles. Great uh, show. Like Thank you. Yeah, it was two years ago. And on that day, my father had been in hospice care mm -hmm. and um, he was sick. And he and they a nurse called me and said he had pneumonia for the third time oh, wow. and that it wasn't looking good. So I went to hospice. My mom was in Miami in Hialeah at the time taking care of my grandparents' house. Mm -hmm. And then my sister was out of town. So it was just me. 
and I spent the day with my dad and it was real sad. Like I had those conversations with him about like, um, thanks for everything. I'm sorry. Like I was having these last conversations with him and, um, it was a crazy day. And on the way home from seeing my dad, I found out that the sitcom I had, uh, written for Fox mm -hmm. about me and my dad, uh, wasn't going to be made. Oh, <laughs> and I, I was like, fuck this day, man, this sucks. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm not going to do this two dub queen show. Like I'm not, I don't feel funny, but something about it. I got like something about being a performer and a comedian. Like I, I felt like I got the bat signals. Like you have to do this show, but I was like running late. So I came home. Like a true and, like, Yeah. Like a true cube. I was running late. I came home and I, I, I didn't have time to shower. I put on a sport coat and I, I don't wear a sport coat. I looked like I was um, going to a job fair. Like I, <laughs> like I was out of luck and I go and I go do this show and you know, they interview some famous people and then they have some comedians that no one's ever heard of. It's like a good mix. And so I go to the, um, the green room and the first person uh, that I see in there is John Hamm. The oh, actor wow. John Hamm, Don Draper. Yes. And I look like I'm like, on the streets, right? And I see John Hamm, I'm like, fuck this, man, this is stupid. Like, I was like, I hate this guy. He's so, he's so beautiful. He made me feel terrible. But I put that all aside. And when, and it was also maybe six days after the, the inauguration, it was a, a lot of things. A lot of emotions me. were happening. A yeah. lot of emotions. And I just got on stage. I usually think out my, my act and make a set list, but I just let it fly. Mm -hmm. And it was a set that, um it just came out of me very purely and the crowd it resonated with the crowd and it was a very nice to this day one of my favorite performances that i've ever done in my life because it encapsulated a moment and instead of running away from it i kind of leaned into the moment i talked about my dad i talked about me i talked about all this stuff and then um you know my dad died six days later yeah on super bowl uh, sunday right Super Bowl Sunday, uh, which really fucked up the Super Bowl for the rest of my life. <laughs> like, I hate the Super Bowl, and uh, it's just terrible. Uh, I can't look at Tom Brady's face anymore. It's a tough day. But uh, anyway, WNYC, the studios who produces the Two Dope Queens podcast, they didn't know my father had died, and they had asked if um, they were like, we were really moved by your set, and would you consider pitching a podcast to us? Like, would you? is this something you'd want to do? And I was like, you know, my dad just died. And so mm -hmm. I, 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 don't, I don't have anything right now. And so they were very, they were like, I'm so sorry. You know, we're big fans. If you ever, we know you tour. If you ever travel anywhere around the country and you want to record something, let us know and we'll come to you, wow. right? So that summer, I happened to be on tour. I was performing for Samsung, the company just had me go to different places and perform for their staff. You were doing like, staff this, like, I, like the CEO tour? Like. Yeah, and I was like, uh, I don't have a Samsung, but money's nice. <laughs> you know. So, uh, so I was touring and I was going to Miami and I was like, mommy's in Miami, she's in Hialeah. I haven't been to my abuela's, my grandma and grandpa's house since I was three. No, you were, you were right when you said abuela. Yeah, uh, yeah my abuela's house. So I was like, no, oh, it's abuelo. It's really abuela's house. But I went to abuela's house and I, I hit up WNYC and I was like, I'm going to go to Miami and my mom's going to be there and my it's a grandparents' house. And 
would you, can I interview? Like, do you guys want to come out? And they flew right out. They flew to Miami. Uh, It was two producers from WNYC. And, you know, I, uh, they just showed up. They met me at the hotel where I was staying. Mm -hmm. And then we just drove to Hialeah. And then from the moment we got there, my mom was like, oh, my mom was just like, my mom is so relentless herself. She was like, she was like all excited. And, um, and so we took a tour of the, of my, you know, of their house and it was hilarious. There was over 70 mangoes in the fridge. There was a machete closing the, the workshop. Well, of like, of there course there was. What, I, yeah. what else are you going to use? <laughs> Especially in Hialeah. My grandpa was using it as a lock for his work shed. Like he had just a machete right there instead of a lock. And I was like, that's so funny. And anyway, I like sat down and talked to my mom and uh, we spoke for seven hours. Just you and like, your mother. Just me and my mother. And WNYC was just like sitting there the whole time. And me and, me and my mom, we're, we have a special bond. And she's the funniest person I know. And she cracks me up, you know. And so I love talking to her. And she was just like on it. She was like not shy. She was like, oh, I'll tell you everything. And so naturally we talked about my dad passing away, you know, and, and stuff like that. And so my mom, we talked about that. My mom told me some things I had never known about their life in Cuba that she's always kind of blocked out. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, oh, and then at a certain point I was like, mommy, if Papi was alive for five minutes, what would you say? And she was like, <laughs> I fuck him. I was like, mommy, how <laughs> And she's like, five minutes isn't enough. And I was like, how long do you know is enough? She's like, you know when it starts, you never know when it's going to end. And, you know, she was just like, <laughs> and so it was a very vulnerable conversation where there was these moments where my mom was just on fire being funny and then but also it was very tender and very vulnerable talking about my dad and through our conversation it came up that my father's dying wish was to be scattered along the coast of cuba mm-hmm. and my mom was like i'm never going back she was like right and i was like mom we can't do it in miami dead dad was not a miami guy like he didn't like miami <laughs> really like, okay <laughs> My, yeah, no, my dad's like, you know, he's not into, he wasn't into like, you know, he wasn't super like joyería and ah, stuff like bueno, that. okay, okay, okay. Not, not super cubanismo, you know? Okay. And so, Con eso me lo dices and, todo. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not flashy, but he, he liked Miami, but I think he loved Los Angeles because that's what, he wanted to work in aerospace and yeah, he yeah. wanted to leave Cuba. And in Hialeah, it's hard to make that boundary. That's true. It's, <laughs> it's really northern Havana, Hialeah. Yeah, yeah. It really is. Um, so I was like, no, dad wants to be scattered in Cuba. And I was like, ah. she's like, there's people having sex in that water. She was throwing all these crazy things. <laughs> and so we didn't know what we were recording, really. And we had, I had a wonderful conversation with my mom. And then I was like, I'm going to be in San Francisco doing stand-up next week if you want to interview my therapist and (laughs) he was like who is this guy i was like i don't listen to podcasts i've never i've like i've i've been on a couple podcasts and i've listened to myself on this american life for 10 minutes but other than that i don't have experience with podcasts i've listened to wtf a couple times and okay like a handful of things so i was like I didn't know what I was doing. So I was like, can we interview my therapist? Right. And then, Am I podcasting now? Like, is <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what you do. You're sad in a microphone. Right. Like, yeah. Um, so uh, 
my therapist was great. And it, it just happened very naturally that the story presented itself that this was a story about taking my ashes, my dad's ashes back to Cuba um, and talking my mom through it and her facing this horrible past that a lot of our parents and grandparents yeah. refused to acknowledge or return to, you know, understandably because of all of the trauma that they had faced, no one wants to go back. No one wants to see it. First of all, they don't want to be reminded of it. Right. Second of all, they don't want to see it. You know, they don't want to no. see, they're always so sad. It's going to be so sad when you see it all crumbled and stuff like that. And so, and there's a lot of excuses in there and, but it's legitimate reasons too. Yeah. But as I continue to talk to my mom and I talked to their old pastor, all these people from the past, my mom started warming up to the idea of actually going to Cuba because when we first started recording, it was not in the books. My mom right. refused for the first years or so of us recording this podcast, mm -hmm. but I didn't want to push her too much. Right. But one, one day I was finally like, mom, what are we going to do with your cenizas? You know, she was like, no, she was like, no, I want to be donated to science. And I was like, oh, wow. no, Mom, we're going to, I think, no, I think we're going to actually, we're going to um, incinerate you. She's like, no, people, you know, can I say, no, no. She, she was like, she was like, donate me. Todo menos mi cosita, eso para papi. Oh, <laughs> my God. Like, like, it's dirty, it's, it's dirty, but it's sweet. Right, like, 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 in, like, the thought of it is like she's being naughty, but it's just like you want to go like, oh, Carolina, like you know. I know. And I mean, having listened to your to your show, I will tell you, I'm surprised your mother didn't just say, "Pero si yo no me voy a morir, que tú estás esperando, que, que, que tú estás hablando de que me vas a hacer con el, cuando me muera, si yo no me voy a morir." Yeah. Like I'm, I, I'm hearing her voice say this, you know. I know totally, but I was like, no, mommy, we're we're gonna we're gonna cremate you. So should we put you with dad? And she was like, no. And she was very insistent. And I was like, then I think maybe we should do what we what dad wanted with his remains. And she was like, mm. like, oh, you got me. Le diste la vuelta. So she, <laughs> le la vuelta. And so she was like, I'm going to pray and I'm going to think on it and stuff. And then she came back and she was like, let's do it. Yeah. And, uh, and it, the whole experience was the most incredible experience of my life to go from the the, um, the sadness and sorrow mm -hmm. of um, my father dying, you know, right. and the last 10 years of his life were tough because my dad had an amazing memory and he lost it because of Alzheimer's. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't get to have those conversations that adult children have with their, with their parents. I didn't get to hear about Cuba and I, I would ask him so much. I didn't get to hear a, about a lot of this stuff but i through this process of going back to cuba i feel like not only did i get to learn all this stuff i got to appreciate it and i got to make good on my dad's sacrifices by taking him back there on his own terms right i right. like why would he want to go back and he's like no i'm the boss here i'm going when i'm dead you can't do shit about it yeah. you know yeah. what i mean and so I mean Después de lo que, you know, what he went through in, in, in the camps and, and in Mazorra, you know, it's, I, I, I can understand how, how it's like, you know what, that's, it's almost like his final fuck you, right? To, 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 yeah. to, to the, to the regime in the sense of like, I had to leave, but I'm going to come back. And when I'm going to come back, 
you're not gonna touch me, motherfucker. Like that was, you yeah. know. I, and and there's a there's a beautiful poetry to that. Yeah, and so I was so, and as soon as we did it, I was like, this fool's a genius, because <laughs> I was just like, saw my mom, I saw my dad's sister, who we never saw That's after right. he left Cuba, and my mom and my tia, Ala, were best friends. Just to see my tia's hand on my mom's shoulder as. She, they scattered the i was like papi did this my dad was so smart he wanted them to be together in cuba on their own right. terms for us to all get to know each other and it was so it was just amazing yeah and i mean you know the beauty the beauty of the story you know and it's only six episodes so it's not like it's you know this sprawling investment you know because sometimes people say like oh it's it, i don't have the time to listen to the, you know it's like it's six episodes 30 minutes each one but you pack it in with a lot, man, because in it you get, you know, the story of your family, the history of Cuba, really through the revolution. You get history of like aerospace, uh, you know, yeah. you get and ultimately, you know, this beautiful love story between your parents, which is really what what I think just brings it all home and makes it relatable. You know, it's it, it, they, they went through so much. And yet they stayed together. And it's like you said, you know, your father and, and your mother were, were madly in love with each other. You know, to this day, I'm sure your mother is still madly in love with your father, right? Even though he's no longer physically there. Um, she's still having dirty dreams. She's Well, you know what? Listen, <laughs> let, you know what? Let's talk about your mother for a moment. Because I know that you're the narrator and it's about your father's, you know, his, his struggles and all that. But the real star of the show is your mom. Yeah, because she's a real she, star of the show. she is, I mean, every tia, every prima, everyone that we, you know, if you're Cuban, if you're even Latino, I would say to an extent, but I can only speak to Cubans, right? Hearing your mother speak to you and hearing your mother express herself, I knew who she was. Yeah. Like, I knew this woman. And I just want to say, first and foremost, next time you see her, tell her this strange person in Miami is sending a hug to her <laughs> through you. And that if we ever find ourselves in the same place and there's a Pitbull concert, I'm totally taking her. <laughs> That's awesome. Because yeah. she will be a trip and a half, I'm sure. Yeah. My mom, uh, I, I will make sure to do that. My mom is an angel. She's so um, she's so tough. You know, she's little and she's very funny. But the thing that's most amazing about her is how tough and resilient she is. You know, she... She loves to remind me that she lost her virginity to my dad and that they met when they were 50. And she's dirty. She's like a dirty insult comic. She makes fun of me. She makes fun of all my friends. And that's, it's almost a cover up by how, of how strong uh, she is, you know, because at first you would be like, oh, who's this wacky, uh, raunchy lady who's very quick on her feet and very charming. She's so charming and could she gets away with everything, you know, but, uh, well, she's, she's but, under but, five feet tall. Of course she's going to get away yeah. with everything. She's tiny and she knows it and she uses it to her advantage. But the, the story is really a love story about her and my dad and just how resilient they are and how, um, how they took that all the way to, you know, to my dad's grave and, and beyond because my mom is, they've been so committed to each other in the story you'll learn, you know, from yeah. um, the sugarcane camps to Masohara to going to Spain to here and all the ups and downs of America through Alzheimer's and here, you just don't see that type of love anymore or those types yeah. of relationships that go beyond 50 years 
that were still like, you know, and they, and they were still hot for each other, you know? And yeah, so, yeah. Um, how old was your father really, when he passed? Uh, my dad was 76, 75. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, uh, 75. Um, so, and my mom, you know, she's 75 now and, how she, dare you say her age out loud? Oh, I know, I know, yeah. But I don't have any You know what? She, she, listen, she's always going to one up. She's always going to uh, one up. Yeah, yeah, always, yeah. always. But, uh, but you're right. You know, those are stories that you, know, you don't see nowadays. And, and you know, I, I said earlier that I've listened to your show twice now, and both times, you know, I, I've cried. Actually, the first time. I was literally listening to the last episode in the parking lot of a Publix. Con tremendas ganas de ir a mear. And I, I, and I refused to leave because I was like, no, I've only got like five minutes left. And, I, and I'm like, I'm like in tears. I'm in my car. Like whoever saw what was happening, they were like, what is wrong with this man? Like, you know, call the authorities. Uh, but one of the reasons that it resonated with me is actually about two years ago, I lost my grandfather who had um, dementia as well. Uh. And it wasn't as long as your father's. It was actually maybe three years or so. Um, but again, him and my grandmother, 50 plus years together, you know. And so listening to your to your story, I, I, I could relate. I mean, it's not my father. It's my grandfather. But I was, again, like any good Cuban, you know, raised by the grandparents too. Yeah. And there was just something there that was, you know, just, just listening to your family, everything that they went through, I felt... I was listening to a, a, a tweak on my family history, you know, even up until that point. Um, I know that you are 12 years younger than your sister, which means that by the time you came around, your family was, for lack of a better way of saying it, like pretty ensconced in this country. You know, it wasn't, yeah. they, they were, they, they had, you know, I mean, they were still going through their struggles, obviously, but they were here. It wasn't like recién llegado or anything like that. And you're a California Cuban, which, as we've said on our show, is very different than a Miami Cuban. Uh, East Coast, very West different. Coast, you guys. I mean, I'm more relatable to a Jersey Cuban than an L.A. Cuban, even though I love y'all. Sure. But um, I get it. But it's very <laughs> different. How did you feel growing up, you know, w with with your parents both being from Cuba? You know, they came to this country as, you know, as as adults right i mean they came with their with their culture their their habits fully developed and your sister was older so she also had lived in spain when your parents left cuba did you feel like did you go through that like re a rebellion phase of saying you know what yeah i'm cuban but whatever i you know I, i'm not gonna listen to benny more i'm not gonna do all that or did you feel like you always just understood where they were coming from i know that's a really long ass question <laughs> oh no um you know, my parents were here for three years before I was born. And so they weren't, they had their feet planted, but not super planted, okay, you know? Okay. And, so, and so I grew up um, in Inglewood, Los Angeles, and there's Latinos, but, and there's some Cubans, but, you know, in Los Angeles, it's not all Cubans. I'm not, we're not immersed. We're not the dominant minority. Right, like right. You guys are in Miami or maybe even in, um, in, in Jersey. In Jersey. Yeah. yeah, in Jersey. But um, I just... I don't know. I grew up, we'd go to La Panaderia, we'd go to El Barbero and hang out with a bunch of old Cuban guys and talk <laughs> about baseball, you know, or sometimes we'd go to church or we, they'd go to church a lot and they'd go to a Cuban church, but my parents weren't really into the Cuban clubs. Those were huge in Los oh, Angeles. Oh, okay. They, they didn't go to those. 
they didn't go to maybe they did at the beginning and then my my dad would always be like uh you know he'd always make it see that guy's watch he can't pay for it like and so that was always i i uh and but i but my parents at the same time so proud of being Cuban, where I, I almost joke that my dad's almost like a Cuban suprem, uh, a supremacist, just thinking like thinking that Cubans are the best at everything. My dad would have outlandish claims, like he'd be like, "Okay, best baseball players, best chess players, best right. ballerinas. Puerto Ricans took music from us and they stole our rum. <laughs> All those things that Cubans always say." But then he would say, "Sabe la apellido Wilson." Sí, pap. Es un apellido cubano. Wait, espérate, ¿cómo? Wilson. Papi, ¿cómo es el apellido Wilson? Es cubano. Niño, es cubano. Eso tipo. Like, and he would just like have these far off theories where I'd be like, what are you even talking about? And But, now I'm picturing Castaway much differently. I know, yeah. <laughs> well, it floats. So, It, you know, exactly, I know. Maybe that's why they built the raft. But um, I always grew up very proud of it. But my parents never really shoved it down my throat. They were just, okay. you know, we just Cuban. We watched, you know, we watched Cuban TV. We listened to Alvarez Guedes all the time. Oh, I love Alvarez Guedes. We listened so much and, you know, and Tres Patines, stuff like that. And I just grew up around that stuff. But I wasn't super into the, and we had Cuban family friends. Right. But it wasn't like that big of a part of of the community. And and when I went to school, there was a handful of Cuban kids across mm -hmm. the whole school. Right. But you know, a lot of my friends were all they were everything. They were white, Mexican, Salvadorian, Colombian, black. Like it was very mixed. So it wasn't like a whole like in in Miami. You feel like you're immersed in it. Yeah. Where yeah. I I wasn't. I mean, I was immersed in the fact that I spoke Spanish with my parents all the time, and I drank right. Matelba. And, and you know, all that stuff. And, uh, and I knew I was a specific culture and I knew of it and proud of it, but I never had a moment where I was like, I'm sick of this Cuban stuff. I was just right. like, Oh, I'm just going to be from this culture that my parents are. Yeah. No, it's interesting. No, it does. It does answer the question because, um, you know, DJ, he's not here right now, but he said it on a couple of occasions. And again, knowing him for over 30 years, I was there for this. Um, <laughs> We grew up in Miami, so, you know, he went through a phase where he kind of rebelled against, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm Cuban, but, you know, like, not that Cuban, or I'm not that. Not one of those. Right. And I think, <laughs> right, or one of those people. Um, but I think it's also the, the interesting is the flip, because, you know, you weren't so immersed in it in every single damn aspect of your life, every second of the day, when you stepped outside the house, even that maybe you did appreciate it in a different way. Whereas I think here at some point, you know, it's just even if your family doesn't, it's just everywhere that at some point, maybe you kind of say like, you know what? I'm just going to go try this other thing. And I'm going to go be golf for 10 minutes, you know, just to, to do something else. So I, it makes sense to me though, that because you weren't just 24 seven surrounded by it outside of the house anyway. Um, yeah. I think I wasn't, I was always down with, I was always very proud of it. I never tried to escape um, Cuban culture. because I, I love it. I think it's, I'm so proud of it. But I did. I would. Uh, I did rebel against my parents' politics, which. Well, you know, we all have to. <laughs> we all kind of have to, and it's it's a delicate ass line because uh, they left for political reasons. So we gotta toe that line. <sighs> yeah, yeah. All roads lead to communism. 
I know. I mean, and so when I went to Berkeley for college, my parents were like, Ooh. there he goes, that I went to the most liberal of all the, the socialista. <laughs> I know. And I would be naive. I was like, Papi, have you read the Communist Manifesto? And he's like, ay, concete, niño. Carajo, le leerlo. He lived it. <laughs> I know. But I was naive. I didn't know. I was like, you know, Marx has a lot of good points, Dad. And he's like, oh. You know, just stupid. Where I know, you know. Yeah. In, in theory, in school, you're like, oh, this sounds great. And then the way it was applied in Cuba was yeah. clearly a nightmare. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. But, but it, 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 yeah, <laughs> I can relate to that. I'm still relating to that. Era. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's interesting. But, you know, I think nowadays, you know, it is what it, you know, you, you kind of almost, I mean, and it's going to sound horrible in this day and age, but it's like, you know, you try to educate them, but you also have to make certain allowances for their experiences, you know, which yeah. I wasn't there. You know, I didn't know what they experienced. I don't, I don't know what they lived through. And so I can't force them to change their mind because all of our opinions are based on our experiences, you know, and, I know. and, and you, it's, it's hard. It, it's, it's really hard. hard. But it's so funny when I went to Cuba and then I went to the, you know, the Revolution Museum, I, I got like physically, I almost had a panic attack because I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, this is like Disney, like a bootleg Disneyland for communism or whatever. You see like Che, like a, like a bad Che mannequin, just like this, <laughs> like this. And you're like, what is this? And like, it's so skewed and stuff. And I thought I was going to come back, you know like jeb bush over here so you know what i mean i thought i was gonna come back like a republican because in that moment i was like yo this is bullshit you know so i can't imagine a whole having my whole adult life until i was 30 years old or something growing up there under those circumstances where my father was you know in in the sugarcane camps in a work camp and you know tortured and all this stuff and i i understand so you know you just kind of have to but, you know, at the same time, I'll still talk to my mom. My mom's more open now as she's gotten older, but I'll, right. like, I'll have conversations with my mom. I was like, mom, that's not necessarily true. You know, things are kind of complicated. And just because someone says this doesn't mean they're a communist. And just because, <laughs> they, you know. There's a lot of so, gray. <laughs> there's a lot of gray area. But once you uh, live through that trauma, it's hard to yeah. really want to even see it because you're like, yeah, fuck it. So I understand. Yeah, yeah. So, want to switch for just a, a moment? You know, something a little yeah. lighter because after communism, yeah, yeah, everything's yeah. lighter. Um, you know, uh, you're a comedian as well. Obviously, I mean, that's how you know this. It, we all, you know, we started this conversation like, how did this happen? And, and you were at Two Dope Queens and what have you. How's that been going in the time of COVID? Like, I mean, that's gotta gotta be a little difficult. You know, it's funny because being a comedian is my childhood dream. It's really? all I've ever wanted to do since I was a little boy. It's not like I was like. I just picked it up by accident. Like I was a funny lawyer that transitioned <laughs> into doing stand-up. That deliberation was very funny. Would you consider that? I just was the funny class. I wrote funny things. I just always wanted to do it. So, and it's kind of scary, honestly, that it's gone. You know, I've been doing stand-up for 15 years. Wow. And this is the longest I've gone without doing stand-up in person. Right, right, right. And so... It's a little, it's, it's weird. You know, I had a whole tour set up for the spring and the summer and it's been canceled. Oh, that sucks. 
I know. And I was like going to new cities I've never been to before. And uh, because of the podcast and stuff. And I was so excited to meet people and talk yeah. about this stuff in person. Um, and that's gone. So right now you just kind of have to transition. And I immediately, a lot of comics were like, I'm not going on Zoom. I'm not doing a, a, like uh, Instagram Live or FaceTiming right. anything. And I was like, but I just had to keep on doing comedy. So I was like, I'll take it. Like, it's not <laughs> ideal, but I'll like, I'll sure, I'll do it. And so I, since the beginning, like the first week, I'd just kind of been doing shows on Zoom. And oh, that's cool. uh, yeah, so some comedy clubs or some comedy shows have put together shows that you do. And it's not the same because you don't get to see people and it's weird like this. It's, you don't get the warmth of the crowd and right. you don't even get to hear them. So sometimes oh, I'm just muted. like they mute it and so my wife's in the other room thinking i'm a lunatic and shit because i'm just like <laughs> there's no response and i'm like saying stuff but um it's just something we got to do i mean you know we i am not gonna stop doing comedy and i'm not gonna i not i'll adapt to this format for as long as i have to right. and um just because i love i just have it's just in me. like uh i will i just have to keep on performing and i'll notice some weeks i will have not even a zoom show you know mm -hmm. and i'll feel myself feeling a little off and then i'll be like oh yeah it's because i haven't done a show like i'm used to doing shows four or five nights a week wow you know? and that's a lot more yeah that's how comics that's how you get good at it my friend sam tweeted that it takes 10 years to get good at stand-up and two weeks to get bad at it <laughs> and that's how so it's going to be weird. It's going to be exciting that we're all going to suck at comedy when it comes back. Everyone's going to be terrible. Even the best one. Seinfeld's going to suck. Even playing field. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm like, what you guys should tell? <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm adjusting and I'm excited to get out on the road whenever that is. I know some clubs are opened already, which makes me personally a little uncomfortable yeah uh, down here uh, down here actually i think uh there's already been like the improv opened i mean they've minimum you know minimal capacity so it's not like they've opened yeah. up 100 percent and nobody can get out of their seats and you got you know it's like it's very structured but yeah they've started opening up but i saw a picture of it and i was like a comedy club is the worst place to be i mean you're everyone's people are getting drunk and so right. you, you know so they're being a little wild you are laugh you're throwing your breath into the air <laughs> you know the ceilings are always low and then you're all facing each other i was like this shit is terrible ter <laughs> if it's it's gonna be the last thing to come back there's gonna be the tattoo shops coughing in each other's mouths is gonna come back before like i think stand-up is gonna be live performances might be the last thing to come back and 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 it's unfortunate uh but i mean I'll be ready when it's time. I'll be rusty, but I'll be ready when it come back on the time. I, I think I think you'll be fine. I think I don't, I, especially because you know you're you're open to like all right, let's give the Zoom thing. I mean, hell, if you can perform for a crowd that you don't know if they like the joke or not, I'm sure you can adapt to you know a, a crowd that's actually giving you feedback. Yeah, at least I'll know that I'm bombing. Exactly. I used to be like, all right, course correct, course correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but well, I hope you know. I hope it happens sooner than later. It's just for selfish Thank reasons because I hope that you make your way down to Miami. I would love to. I've never been there at a regular club, and that would be so cool. Well, regular club and irregular club, whichever one will have you <laughs> after <laughs> <Yeah>. COVID. You <laughs> know, definitely would love to go and see you perform live and and get a chance to meet you. Um, 
you know, thank you again for taking the time to, to chat with, with us here on Pero Let Me Tell You. Um, you know, one of the things that, and I've managed to not cry this entire interview, so I'm going to try to keep that, that going. Um, uh, you're a yodong just like me. Oh, uh. <laughs> yo, you don't know. Like I lately, I don't know if it's this quarantine or what, like, I just, I'm just like, oh, she dropped her ice cream. Like I'm like, it's horrible. una magdalena. <laughs> but um you know at, toward the end when you're I, i think it's either episode five or six when you're discussing your father's ashes you know you, you you get emotional and your mother gets emotional because you're saying that you know it makes you sad to think that that's the end of your father's story and the fact that you created this podcast you know what your father's story and your family's story actually will probably never really be gone and that's something that i on behalf of oh god here i go On behalf of everyone, you know, who's gone through something similar or somebody who can relate, um, I just want to thank you for that because it's, oh, it's very universal story. And, and you know what? It's it's going to continue to touch people for years and years to come. Well, thank you. Now you're making me do it. Uh, <laughs> but um, um, thank you for listening. And um, that, that means a lot that you felt it. And um, I didn't know how Cubans are going to react, honestly. I had no idea. And um, Cuban Americans and everything, and I'm so touched that people have been so moved by it, and that my father, someone without a Wikipedia page or any any fame, uh, can his legacy can live on through this story, and um, touch people's hearts. Absolutely. And and they will know how much we loved each other, and I think that's such a beautiful thing. And so, um, thanks for the opportunity to let me to discuss it with you and and your listeners. No, man. I mean, they, again, I, I keep saying it, but it's it's true. Thank you. You know, because the only way that we continue this is to keep those stories alive. And you've done that. And actually, you came up in conversation last weekend. I was at a friend's house and we were talking. She's an L.A. Cuban or well, she's in Miami, but she was an L.A. Cuban. And she was saying, she's like, oh, yeah, I was listening to this guy's podcast. I don't know if you've heard of it. Scattered. And I was like, yeah, kind of heard of it. Talking to him next week. Um, and she's like, it's the first time because she grew up in L.A. as a Cuban. She's like, it's the first time that I heard somebody's Cuban-American growing up experience that she could relate to. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah. So you, so you, awesome. you, you are reaching people, my friend. You are definitely well, reaching people. You. Yeah. Uh, tell her hello for me. I, I absolutely <laughs> will. Absolutely will. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much uh, for, for stopping by the chat. Yeah, thank you so much. Right. Have a good one. Likewise, man. And we're back. Oh, my God. That was I, interesting. It, it was... Now I feel like super bad about not being in the interview. Well, I told him the reason you couldn't make it was because you you were having emergency yeah. dental uh procedure and literally the first words out of his mouth were like, "Oh, so that's a true muelero right there." Yeah. Like, you know, and I was like, yeah. "I guess so." Yeah. Um but he was absolutely fantastic and um you could probably hear it in the interview. There were a couple times there where I choked up and he kind of choked up and it's uh, I can't recommend it enough and there, you know, where we're tagging him and the podcast in uh in this week's promo uh, on IG and we also will have a link in the details section of this episode. Awesome. So we're thirsty. We are thirsty. So I'm giving a gasless coke. Oh, well I'm giving a gasful coke? A I'm giving a gasless coke. Okay, so do, do you want to go first? Or do I want to wanna go okay, first okay. because we want it on a positive note. That's true. Right. So and I know you're going to be opinionated about this. So Oh god. <laughs> 
And I, I do want to hear what you have to say about this. I'm giving my gasless coat to Leah Michelle. Because okay. apparently, I, I will, I will, I will hear apparently you out. it's come out one by one that she was a nasty little girl when she was on the set of Glee. Oh, but I knew that. Oh, I didn't know that. Because I, I had always heard that. I, I know she's big on Broadway, right? She did. So she did Spring Awakening. And I think after that, she never did. She never went back to Broadway. Mm. Or at least not like in a. But is she like a big musicals person? Because that's where she got her start. She got her start on Broadway, and then, but like you know, maybe one or two productions, and then she did Glee, mm-hmm. and then after that, she did Scream Queens, and I, I've stuff. never, I had never heard from her outside I, of the realm yeah. of, of Glee. No, I've always heard she was not. And you know, when one person says you're horrible, maybe you could be like, well, maybe you just have beef with that right, person. Right, right. When two people say you're horrible, well, maybe maybe they were friends with the person you had to be. But with. when three, four, five people, <laughs> you know, more and more people start coming out and say that you're yeah. an awful human being, then you need to like you maybe to check yourself, yeah. check yourself and look in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, and like the allegations of her being like nasty are terrible. Oh yeah, and it's and, and again, like I said, I've I've heard of it since the show. Really, you you always heard rumors of her just not being a very pleasant human being. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons actually, I think that Ryan Murphy wrote her into screen, like was able to, was the rumor of course, was that he brought her to scream Queens because like, you know, he got to like torture her on the show. You know what I mean? And, and really? well, not, not actually, but because, you know, she was one of the characters that was, you know, being terrorized by the thing. So he kind of brought her on to like exact his revenge on screen, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had heard that rumor. Has he said well. anything he, about her? I haven't seen that he has said anything, but, um, you know, I think also there's something to be said for when you're the creator of a show, mm-hmm. the star right. probably isn't going to be a total nasty piece of work with you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but maybe he saw the behavior. No. Uh, because from what, what I, the allegations have been that she didn't even want certain people to sitting sit next, at to the her, ta- yeah. next to her at the table. Yeah, like, yeah. Whatever, Leah Michelle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I will say, I've always heard that, but what I, what I, and actually, um, Amber Riley, who played uh, Mercedes on the show, mm-hmm. came out and said this. You know, when she she's like, "I'm only going to speak about this once, and this is it." She's like, "You know, she was not nice to me, blah blah blah, whatever." What she did say, and the reason that this came out, I really out, like her. I think she was like my favorite character, Amber Riley. Yeah, she's phenomenal. One of the things that I, the reason I don't have an issue with it coming out, whatever, she's a bitch, but I have an issue with the fact that the person who initiated where this all started from was because Leah Michelle put out a a Black Lives Matter type right. of thing. And one of her former co-stars used that as like the platform to say, oh, you treated me like crap, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, and when I read that, it's funny because again, having known the history, right, in my mind, I was like, but I don't think she treated you bad because you were black. Right, but... I, she treated you bad because she treated everybody bad. So she's bad. an equal opportunity bitch. Right, right. she's just she's just a bitch. Right. Like, I, I thought that for a second, but then I also thought, I'm like... This girl was probably so traumatized by Leah Michelle so that when she sees her posting this like PC bullshit, she's like, "Yeah, but that is bullshit." But you, but you don't infer somebody's racist. Maybe, maybe, I mean, that's a that's no, a harsh no, allegation. I, no, I understand. I understand. That's a harsh allegation that even cost her a sponsorship with uh, with HelloFresh, with the girl who called her out. Leah Michelle got dropped immediately from HelloFresh. Right. Oh, I didn't know. And that. The, and the release from HelloFresh was we don't tolerate any type of like racist or bigoted behavior right. but but that's what i that's the angle that i saw it mm-hmm. i i thought you know maybe if she isn't a racist 
I mean, maybe she unquote, is. I don't know her. You know, but, but you know, again, she was an equal, equal, equal opportunity, opportunity bitch. bitch. Yeah. You know, um, you know those. She's an EOB. And and um, but I think that this girl was probably just so like, oh, how still, dare you? Still, right. so many years later, because Glee has been out of production for well, like no, Glee started in 2009, so it's been over 10 years since it started. But but and she this was girl in the came cast in, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least six seven years after production right that she still has so much angst Esa rabia, yeah, then yeah. it must have been for a pretty legitimate reason you know? oh i'm not taking it away from you her know? but i just so yeah. Um, yeah it's like oh man leah michelle and her two colors with that said do you know what my favorite and i loved glee i the first, i watched all of it i kind of fell off the bandwagon when mm-hmm. they started changing the characters but the first like three seasons mm-hmm. i ate that up you know, and my, you don't even like musicals, and I don't. But it was so good, right, like right. it was so good. You know what? I um, my favorite, I think, performance of Glee was is actually with her, and it's not even because it's with her. I loved because I just thought it was so cleverly and perfectly done. When in the Britney episode, she sung the the only exception. Oh. Because it was so cleverly done. Like, yeah. it's the Britney episode, but that's the only exception. Well, I don't need to explain it. If you, if you don't get you it, don't it, you don't get it. it. Yeah. But I thought it was so clever. I'm like, man, Ryan Murphy said like, oh, mio. He's on his shit. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Uh, that song. Uh, anyway, that song. Anyway, whatever. We won't get into it. Um, <laughs> eh, okay, well. So, yeah. So, Leah Michelle. Leah Michelle gets your gasless soda. Is a gasless and B-I-T-C-H. Yes, she's a gasless EOB. Equal <laughs> opportunity bitch. We've coined it. Um, my soda has lots of gas, actually. It's it's a very gassy soda. Oh. And I'm going to give it to somebody who actually, you know what, if you look at her, she kind of has a bottle shape. And we are going to celebrate her and love her for it. I'm going to give it to Amara La Negra. Oh, yes. Haven't we given it to her before? We may have, but I'm just going to go ahead and give it to her again, because why not? Um... <laughs> You know, obviously, during during everything that's going on, you know, she's an Afro Latina woman. She she's so beautiful. She is gorgeous, like, like drop dead, like everything like gorgeous. about her is beautiful. Like she has such a beautiful her skin. skin, skin, and like the skin, her tone lips, her, her eyes, body, her, her eyes, her eyes are striking. Like just everything, like her. And she looks good, like. Like she, she, you know, because she, you've seen her dress up in like different styles. Like she looks good in all of them. Like, yeah, yeah. She, there's nothing that like que le queda mal. Yeah. Um, but you know, obviously, in the last couple of days, you know, she's she's been very active and very vocal. But she's using her platform not only to to say, you know, the the, the Black Lives Matter platform, if as it were, but she's really sharing a lot of other stories. But what you know about other instances where, oh, this black person died you know that ruled as an accident and it's like no it wasn't like you look at the evidence and it wasn't but she's also trying to find to strike the right balance because her her instagram has not become that at the expense of sharing herself you know she shares positive things she posts messages she, you know, puts like the, the that video which I freaking love about the little, you know, the little black baby and the little white baby like running towards each other and you know, she's really trying to to strike the right balance of it and I think, you know, as somebody who probably her whole life has had to you know, toe several lines, you know, she's the, she's Latina, she's black, she's American, she's you know, she's I think the perfect chord of how to 
you know, you were saying earlier, I don't really feel like laughing. I don't really feel that it's just so heavy. But after a certain point, you kind of need to take that breath. And I think she's finding the perfect way to do it and still being herself. So my last soda goes to Amara. You know what I love about her? That when, um, you know, because I've seen her on The Breakfast Club. She's so Miami. Like, oh, yeah. Like, I love it. Like, I love that she's so Miami and her accent is so Miami and I love it. I absolutely love it. It's like, man. She is like... <laughs> I'm from Miami and what? If, if the Miami accent embodies someone, it emb- it's like her. And like, let me tell you something. We could do a lot worse than being embodied by Amara La Negra. We're doing pretty good. They're so. pretty damn good. Anyway, bueno, this was a bit of a heavy episode, but, you know, it's conversations that we need to have and you know sometimes they're not pleasant and sometimes um they're hard but not having these conversations i feel is one it's of the not reasons the way to go. why we have the problems that we have True. um so anyway <laughs> that's episode 113 we hope everybody uh listened laughed and learned and remember to have to grab your patelito your croqueta and your jupina and thank you so much everybody have a great weekend pero friday see you all next time yes yeah, mi gente. bye Pero Let Me Tell You is co-hosted by Darian Borges and Ismaeliano, produced by Ismaeliano, and our theme, Pero Let Me Tell You Freestyle, is composed by Michael Angelo Lomlaplex, the official gay guy. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, folks. I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.